Hi, this is Noah. I'm in the 1820-somethings, and you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale <laughs> Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Woohoo! Hello! Worship director Scott Reed. Yes. Hola. And Pentecost trivia champion Bill Calvin. Woo-hoo! Now champion. and forever. Dan, please open us in prayer. Will do. Lord, thank you so much for this day, this opportunity you've given us again to, to join together, to look into your word. Lord, it's a privilege uh, as believers that we get to have your word and we don't take it for granted. We're grateful for it. Pray that you would guide and direct our conversation. May all that's said and done here be of something that brings you glory and honor, Lord, and praise to your name and benefit those who listen. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so you got to do it. All right. So I got two questions for you today. <gasps> Ooh, and your two. job is to answer them both with one word each. Oh, okay. All right. No explanations? No explanations. Would you rather in one sitting eat 10 pounds of cheese or eat a bucket of peanut butter with nothing to drink? And would you rather, when faced with an attacking grizzly bear, be armed with a guitar made of solid maple or with a saxophone? And the options there are guitar or saxophone. Cheese, also, saxophone. Thank you. I was about to say, also, don't separate the words with any kind of conjunctions or anything. <laughs> Peanut butter, guitar. Peanut butter, saxophone. Cheese, guitar. I think hey, we had all we did. Nice. <laughs> That's Perfect. pretty good. Um... Awesome. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Just like Rebecca did, uh, Rebecca sent this question for you, Scott. She asked, would you rather live in the brick house and never turn off the lights or live in the brown house and never turn on the lights? What a weird question. I don't don't understand, but you and I are the only ones who live on campus, so. That's true. I mean, I've never lived in either of them. So I don't really know. Like, so what, I've lived so in both. What? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> so Dan, to be so Dan, question. yeah. Well, we'll get an informed answer in a second. Yeah, I think I would rather live. It's like last week when you were like, "I speak in tongues." I was like, "What? <laughs> I didn't know that." <laughs> I think I would rather live in. Okay, since I'm married, I'll say. Oh, Leah's brown... living in the gray house. Oh, okay. it's just you. <laughs> um, I'll say the brown house and never turn on the lights because Leah can't cannot sleep when there's light. So if we can never turn off the lights, that would be a disaster. But we, I mean, you could use candles or flashlights or whatever. Sure, sure. Sleeping wife, sleeping life, as they say. <laughs> they do say that. Then, yeah. as someone who's lived in both of these places, what do you think? I would choose the brick house for sure. With always, the with always on. have the lights on because right. I like the brown house too. But you can definitely hear a lot of stuff. From oh. upstairs. Oh. And so I like I'm you're... a late sleeper, so I can definitely put on a face mask and go to sleep and huh. be okay as long as there's quiet. Wow. Mm. What if you lived upstairs in the brown house? Oh, that'll probably be all right. Okay. I didn't really think about face I masks. About, I didn't think I lived about... downstairs, so that was my that was where I went to. Sure. I didn't think about upstairs or downstairs. <laughs> well, it's a good question, topic. Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Rebecca. Was that Rebecca Guild? That's Rebecca Guild. Rebecca G. Let's get into topic of the week. Edit that out. <laughs> Topic of the week this week is brought to you once again by Virtual Day Camp. Day Camp is coming. 
Woo-hoo! And you can help spread hope in your neighborhood. Pick up a day camp yard sign at the church office Monday through Friday between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. or swing by the portico entrance in the back anytime to pick it up. Display it in your window or yard from now till June 26th, and then you can put it in storage for next year or return it to the church when camp is over. Virtual day camp, June 22nd through 26th at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash daycamp to learn more. Are you guys involved with day camp at all? Yes. What are you doing? Um, going to be helping pack the, the kits for the families, and then, uh, well, obviously watching in the morning like as a family, and then participating in the Zoom groups in the evening, Monday through Thursday that week. Oh. Going to be, I think, leading a group. Can you tell us a little bit about the Zoom groups? Uh, all I know is it's going to be a lot of fun. It's for the whole family to be involved, not just the kids. Mm. And there's prizes and kind of fun things. It's not just going to be listening to someone drone on and read a page and just kind of everyone sit there with glazed looks on their face. It's going to be fun and interactive. Sweet. So I'm looking forward to it. I think the activity boxes are super cool. Mm-hmm. The parents can swing by and they've got like crafts and snacks and stuff like for the whole week, like sectioned out. And Morgan's been, you know, putting little stickers on them like, this is your Monday. This is your Tuesday. I think that's really cool. Snacks for the parents, crafts for the kids. That's right. <laughs> Uh, This week, we are wrapping up our series uh, on the areas of faith that can seem strange or scary. Uh, We've talked about healing and speaking in tongues, and today we're jumping into prophetic words. As usual, uh, I'd like to start with a quick explanation of what we mean when we say prophetic word. From you. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to give the explanation? I'd like to start with an explanation for me from you. (laughs) Let me be clear. I think it's a, a word from that, that God gives to someone. It's, a, it's one of the spiritual gifts. So it's a gift or, that someone may have uh, in which God speaks to them, um, a, I guess, a message, to say it that way, kind of in quotes, a message for someone else about something in their life or something that will happen. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to differentiate between a prophetic word and a word of knowledge. Mm-hmm. A word of knowledge is... You speak something to somebody because God gave you that word, and it is right on the money. It's stuff that you couldn't know about, you did not know about. It's really awesome. But a prophetic word is very, very similar to that. That's, mm-hmm. that's why I've got this confusion in my mind. It's mm-hmm. people saying words of prophecy to someone that are relevant and again, it's truly supernatural. My example of it is Children's Church was being held at the Vineyard Church in Anaheim, California on a Sunday night. And there were lots of kids in the room. And it sounds like it was just a lousy day in Children's Church. Nothing was happening, really. And so the teacher turned to some of the helpers and said, do you have anything to say? And one man said, yes, I do. And he had like two or three prophetic words. And the one that I remember was, there's a little girl in here whose parents are going through a divorce. And you cry yourself to sleep at night. You hear them yelling at each other. And you're blaming yourself. You're saying, mom and dad are getting a divorce because of me. But I want you to know that's not true. You have nothing to do with their divorce. It's a fight between two adults. Don't blame yourself. And then it came out, this 
little girl like raises her hand and says, my mom and dad are going through divorce. They fight with each other. I cry myself to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. I've been blaming myself. And so the man said to her, so what do you think about that prophetic word? She says, pretty good. I'm not blaming myself anymore. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. the practicality of a prophetic word. Hmm. Is it okay for this discussion to talk about, in a general sense, like words of knowledge and prophetic words somewhat interchangeably? I and, think we're going to have to. Yeah. I, I think they really are. I think so, too. If they're not exactly the same, they're so similar, I can't sure. tell them apart. Okay. I was just really enthralled reading 1 Corinthians 14. Mm -hmm. It's just a really cool... I mean, kind of the context of the Corinthian church, I think, was a disaster. Mm -hmm. It was a real mess of like people speaking in tongues like over each other and people speaking prophetic words at like the same time. And I guess I get the impression it was like a bunch of chaos going on. So kind of the context behind it. And Paul really addresses this in tongues kind of a lot, which is yeah. neat, because it made me think of last week's discussion as well. And just things he's saying like, hey... Uh, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the person that's uh, speaking prophecy is edifying the church, like in the sense that I think maybe the Corinthian church had this sense like tongues is like the best gift and we all want to speak in tongues. Hmm. It's like, no, but when you speak in tongues, you're, you're building up the body of Christ. You're exhorting, like saying, hey, this is a word from God that I have for you. Like obey this. This is God's word for you. Or just encouraging, building people up. Are prophetic words exclusively about other people? Is that one of the, the defining elements of them? Like, do people receive prophetic or words of knowledge about themselves? Or is it primarily used, you know, the Ipsat frames spiritual gifts almost exclusively as in service of the body, right? How has God blessed you to serve his people, to serve his kingdom? With prophetic words, is it that idea? Is, is it that idea that, you know, I'm given this to give to someone else, like God is speaking through me or for me to someone else? Or... Can it be to ourselves as well? It is for the sake of the body of Christ. And it's not only for individuals, it's also for events. That this is the way this is going to unfold. And you see that mm -hmm. in the scriptures too. The, the Battle of Armageddon, for instance, isn't a prophetic word about an individual. It's about nations. But it, it's still for the body of Christ, that this is going to help the body of Christ. How can we tell that a word is from God? How do we test prophetic words? I like what it says here, going back to 1 Corinthians 14. That's just a great chapter. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was reading it <laughs> this morning, and I was just rereading re it. Like, this is great. So I encourage you to read all you listeners out there. 1 Corinthians 14, if you have questions about the topic, like as it relates to church and church mm -hmm. service, what the gift of uh, prophecy is all about. But it says, if there is uh, no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. Let him speak to himself and to God, speaking about the person who's speaking in tongues. And if there's a prophetic word, it goes on to say, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Hmm. So there's, always, there's a sense of like, there's accountability, that there needs to be accountability in it, not just like people launching words like hither and thither and like them not making sense. There needs to be people really examining what's being said and saying, okay, does this line up with the Bible? Hmm. Is this true? Is it like really kind of examining and making sure it's from God. Have you seen people throw out things claiming that they're prophetic words that, that haven't turned out to be from God? Oh, I remember I was in a pastor's prayer meeting in Omaha. It was just a really great group. But guys would bring prophecies in, and they were generally about, we're going to have a revival. 
it will be like this. And I remember part of the prophecy was there will be winds that are 100 miles an hour. And these guys are really excited about it. And honestly, I was too. I thought, this is really great stuff. But that was 25 years ago, and none of that stuff has happened. You, I have a hard time with people saying, well, just give it time, give it time. Well, over a period of, say, 10,000 years, surely there will be winds of 100 miles an hour going through <laughs> mm -hmm. Omaha, Nebraska. But that doesn't mean a revival broke out. And it wasn't couched in those terms either, that this is going to happen 400 years from now. It's not like that. So th those are times I look back on and say they were wrong. And there are plenty of false teachers and sects out there that have said the world's going to end right you know and this in such a year and that's not happened do prophetic words come to anyone or to specific people like you know we talk about it as a spiritual gift and also can prophetic words come to non-believers as well can god speak through people who don't believe in him this isn't an answer to your question but i've wondered about because I know that the Ipsat class has people that come in that are non-believers. I've wondered about how they deal with the spiritual gifts mm -hmm. portion. I've asked Daniel about it. I don't really remember what he said. I think prophetic words can come through non-believers. You see it in the story of Balaam, who was hired this kind of prophet of the Lord, but seems to be more of like a pagan kind of guy that was hired by one of the kings around Israel to curse them from the mountaintops. And then God ended up speaking through him and blessing the nation of Israel. And also caused his donkey to speak. Yeah. Interesting. So animals can also give <laughs> people mouthpieces of the Lord, which is crazy to think about. Well, and I think too of Caiaphas mm -hmm. saying right. it must be that one man dies for the nation. And Caiaphas was a despicable person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yet he was right on the money with that word. And the scripture even says that. It wasn't him that was speaking. That was God's spirit speaking through him. Yeah, makes like a special note of that. Oh, wow. Cool. What are examples that you guys have that you've experienced and seen um, in your own lives of like of words of knowledge and of, of prophetic words? There was one occasion where God gave me, I think it was like the same night for two different people. It was a prayer meeting. It was in Mexico. And I really felt like during this prayer time, I was supposed to go to someone that was sitting there just kind of by herself and say, like, that there was, I, God gave me like a word of knowledge. Something was going on with her family that was wrong. I was a little bit terrified to go up to her and be like, is there a problem in your family? But I did it. She was like, yeah, my daughter and this whole kind of issue going on. And just that really filled me with like, because that didn't happen to me before. Prayed with her, prayed about the situation. And there was another guy that, this kind of made me feel discouraged afterwards because is there a problem in your family? Because I feel like God said there's a problem with his family. He's like, no. Like, oh. And so maybe like I prayed for him, prayed for his family anyway. And then I was talking to his pastor a couple months later, and he's like, yeah, that's a huge problem in that family. Like a huge amount of division. Whoa. So that filled me again with just the confidence, like, wow, like God knew what he was doing. Sure. But it was a little bit, the experience was a little bit terrifying to go up to someone and be like, what if, I'm, what if, what if I misheard? What if it's just me? Mm. But God proved himself in that situation. Many, many years ago, Marina Rosea's father said, I don't want you to go to Nyack College. You're going to meet a German boy from Ohio and marry him. And sure enough, <laughs> she goes off to Nyack College, meets David the German, and, and they get married. <laughs> and I think, wow, 
Mr. Roseo just hit that right on wow. the money. I just think that's fantastic. Now, he didn't want it to happen. He didn't want it to happen, but he somehow he said a prophetic word that came true. And it, not that many people from Ohio go to Nyack College. Sure. It's pretty neat. So why does God give prophetic words? Why does God give words of knowledge? I know the answer seems kind of obvious, like it's for his glory, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it helps people too. Yeah, it sure does. I'm thinking of... Years ago, John Wimber was on a plane, and he's exhausted and just really doesn't want to even talk to anybody. And he looks <laughs> over, and he sees this man with the word adultery right on his forehead. So he leans over to the guy, and he knows the name of the woman that this man's having adultery with. And he says... Does the name Gene mean anything to you? And the guy just turns white. <laughs> and it was one of those great big, like, two-story planes. Oh, the 747. 747s. And so the guy says, come with me. And they go up to the second floor. And he says, how did you know this? And he said, God told me. And the man just over a short period of time breaks down, repents, John Wimber gives him his Bible, says, read this. I mean, the guy gets saved and walks off the plane with a Bible. That's why we have this Mm -hmm. gift. It's not just to make us feel good. Uh, It's it's to be used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it definitely can be like a more convicting thing of like, hey, you need to get out of this sin. It can be like an encouragement, like, hey, keep on going. Like I've received one of those words going into a grocery store. Back, like, Amber and I were just married. This was probably, like, 2008. There was a guy there who was one of those giveaway table things. And someone told me we should stop and talk to him. I was like, nah, nah, nah. we got got shopping to do. When we were coming out, he comes up to us, gives us, like, a Post-it note with, like, a bunch of scriptures and says, like, tell that you guys are, know that you guys are believers and that you're called to be missionaries and, like, you know, study Paul's missionary journeys and I encourage you. And, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. But it was like it was very encouraging. Like, hey, the Lord, Lord is paying attention. He knows what's going on in our lives. He really wants to help us stay on track and stay motivated. And I was like, whoa! Kind of opens your eyes to the to the reality of God anew. Yes, I think too of Cindy Evans. She was a housewife. She had three children. She was busy working in her home, and the Lord spoke to her and said, "I want you to go to the hardware store, and you're to talk to a man there." So she packs up the kids goes into the hardware store, goes all through the store, nothing's happening, and then the owner of the store is a Jewish man, and he comes out and begins to talk with her, and she realizes this is the guy. Mm. So she says, I'm here to pray for you. He had cancer. So she not only prays for him, she leads him to salvation Wow! in, in that one encounter because... The guy realized this is supernatural. You know, this is God right. reaching out to me. Wow. So there's another case where the prophetic gift was used to lead somebody to Christ. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, usually I don't think of it as leading somebody to Christ as much as exposing sin. Mm-hmm. Prophetic gifts have a way of exposing sin. That's why the people who get these words of knowledge gulp because mm-hmm. if you're wrong, oh man, what an embarrassment. I've got a friend that regularly gets them. 
and the prophetic words, the words of knowledge. And he says it's sometimes they're really hard to give because it might be bad news, like saying like you're going to get sick or you might die. Like he's had to give that word of knowledge, and it's not sometimes fun, but tries to continue walking in obedience in it, even though it can be hard. It can be like a real not a burden, but just kind of a struggle to have to be like the bearer of something difficult. Tozer said that gift of prophecy is a real burden to bear. And he had that gift, particularly at the level of seeing the sin of our nation and really speaking pointedly about it. So I imagine he lost a lot of sleep because of it. And that's why it was such a burden. Is there a difference between sort of that feeling that God is telling us to do something? I guess guidance, right? Spiritual guidance or listening for God's guidance. Is there a difference between that and receiving a, a, a word of knowledge or... or um... Well, I've received many, in our church, we call them nudges, mm-hmm. <laughs> nudges from God where mm-hmm. it's not just my own imagination or just logic. It's something going beyond that. And I think, okay. And if it keeps recurring, you really got to pay attention to it. If it's just a one time like that, then you wonder, well, was that really God or was that just like a flash that passed through my brain? Something that's interesting that I found in kind of going along with what Bill's saying, like as, as a married man, like a lot of times I'll have a nudge or something like that or a word from God and then Amber will actually corroborate it and say like, I was feeling like we should do this. I was too. <laughs> Let's yes. do it. This is from God. Yeah. But like the, yes. the agreement, like the husband and wife kind of agreement in that and like how God speaks to both is kind of neat. Scott, I know your family, like at least in the time that I've spent with them, tries to be very in, in tune with listening to, to what God tells them and, and sort of delivering messages to each other. Is this something that you grew up very familiar with or has it kind of, how has that evolved over the course of your life? I don't know if I was as aware of it before. I mean, I don't, it might not have really been a thing before. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, it has been a thing in the last few years, that, that's for sure. Um, yeah, my mom had, I don't even, I guess we'll just call it a word of knowledge, but it seemed like it was more like a picture of knowledge um, that she shared with Chelsea, like six, no, it's June, nine months ago <laughs> or something like that or 10 months ago. Um where she, Chelsea was wrapping up school and and trying to figure out what was coming next, and she had this job. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was some kind of like residential job at Gordon College, I think, and it just seemed so perfect. It didn't work out, and she was really distraught about that. And and then uh, I was talking to mom about some stuff that was going on over here, and and so she had that kind of in her mind, and she just got this vision of of Chelsea and Chris out here working alongside me and Leah which is not something that any of us had thought about. And that's that ended up being what happened. I mean, after several months of application process, and I mean, it's it doesn't make any sense that Chelsea and Chris would travel a thousand miles to work in a field that that is not what they were planning on for a part-time job. <laughs> like, I don't mean to disparage the job because Chelsea puts in a lot of work and she does a phenomenal job. And I think the church really needed her. I think that's why, you know, all those reasons and they needed it. But like, it doesn't make any sense. Like that doesn't make any sense, but that's the way that God wanted it to be. And, and to speak to the corroboration of spousal relationships, then 
Chris came out here and he was able to find a full-time job that is in the field that he's interested in, which is not something he was having any luck in hmm. when he was in Massachusetts. He was doing retail stuff and really frustrated, didn't want to do that anymore. He wanted to be working in forestry type things. And I don't know if the job that he has now is as his dream job as he thought it was, but he was working within weeks of getting here right? Um, and, and doing something that he really enjoys. He said just the other day, it's his favorite job he's ever had. So, so yeah, so that, that, that did happen. Um, and so I think it's just, I think in my family, we, we just are all trying to, we try to live our lives according to the will of God. And so when it comes to think decisions to make, we, we listen. And I think when you listen, a lot of the time God will actually, will show you something seems to be anyway, that's been my experience. I mean, this series that we've been doing has been, you know, called Weird Aspects of the, of the Christian Life. Um, and Bill, you touched on it, this reluctance sometimes to share what God tells us. If God gives a word of knowledge to someone, sort of the fear of, well, what if this is just me? What if this is just my brain? Um, you know, and even if I know it's from God, like, I still have to deal with the response of the human being that I'm going to tell it to, the broken person that I'm going to share it with. I'd like some advice on how to, uh, we talked about with speaking in tongues last week, how not to force it, how not to be like, I want this spiritual gift, I want God to speak through me, um, but also those who, who struggle with, with really owning it, who really feel like God does put things on their mind, but then they pass, right? Put things on their heart, and they say, I don't really want to do that, that's kind of spooky and like weird, and I don't really understand it. Um, and if somebody like questioned me on it, I'd, I'd, I'd probably crumble. Like, what is the advice to, to both of those people? I think my mentor, Elmer Murdoch, who really operated in the fullness of the gifts, even though he was a man that was probably in his early to mid-70s, he would still practice approaching people with a question as opposed to a statement. Mm -hmm. So he would have the statement... But it would then end up with, does this make any sense to you? And if it's mm. making sense, it's just as powerful. <laughs> you don't need to be Moses coming off the mountain angry. You, you can just be very simply asking the question, and, and it's effective. So I fell into that once by way of Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley told a story that ended with a question, is there something you want to tell me? And so there was a day where I was confronting a woman who was in adultery, and I thought, rather than come off real strong, just turn to her and say, is there something you want to tell me? And she just broke down and started crying and told me of this adulterous affair she had. So it's, it's helped me hmm. to go by way of asking the question. So I think we, this came up in the last few weeks, but in my spiritual gifts inventory, I got the gift of prophecy, which was a real weird thing for me because sometimes when you're doing those like inventories, like a personality test or love languages, you can like see right through the questions. You know, it's like, do you like being alone or with people? And you're like, alone, <laughs> I guess. You're an introvert. Okay, <laughs> surprise. Um, and and some of the some of the questions for the spiritual gifts inventory felt that way. You know, it's like, do you? like helping people or like do you whatever but i i didn't feel like i was answering any questions about prophecy and then it came up 
And that's been a really interesting process for me because I don't feel like I've had much in the way of like prophetic words for people. Uh, and Bill has helped me to understand it a lot better, I think. Um, and it sort of, Bill, would you mind, if you remember, sharing a little bit of like what, how, what you've said to me about that and how to understand that better? Because I, I don't want to like misquote you. I, I don't feel like I'm really on the money with being a prophet. And that frustrates me because of alpha retreats where we pray for people and you listen to God and you hopefully have something for them. And it's not just all on me. It's the whole group praying. But these last two retreats, I found myself praying earlier in the day and then I would write what I believed was a word for them. And inevitably, the scriptures were tied to it most of the time. And that's what I think I said to you, that perhaps as a worship leader even, to simply call out with the word of God, that can be very prophetic in the midst of the worship services. And there are times when you're doing worship leading, Scott, and you will recite a short scripture, and it's just really on the money. I mean, mm -hmm. it just seems like, there goes a few arrows right into the heart of the congregation. It's great. Hmm. So that's been really helpful to me, um, trying to understand this gifting a little bit. And I think I'm getting around to your actual question. Sure. Um, one way that I think that's manifested itself in my life very unexpectedly is in preaching. Um, I remember the very first time I preached, it was a half sermon with David. Uh, we were preaching on worship, uh, or it was a full sermon, but we were sharing it, tag teaming it. And I was like, okay, well, this is worship. Like, I'm just going to talk about worship. That's easy. Talked about worship for 15 minutes over the course of half an hour and done. And then David asked me to preach again on an actual Bible verse. Um, I think it was in James. I think that was the first one. And it was a really interesting experience because I'd never done this before. Don't know what's going on here. And, and so I was praying a lot about it and praying that God would kind of show me. And that's that's just been that's been my MO every time I preach. Now I've got enough time, thankfully, in between sermons to do that. But just praying that God would really show me what it is that he wants me to say here. And he always has. Like it's it's been good for me in that way. <laughs> He's never left me high and dry. But um, you know, I went into this thing no idea what I'm doing. Never taken a class on this. Didn't study it. Whatever, I'll I'll try, I guess, mm -hmm. and and it has impacted people, and I see a connection between that and what Dan was saying regarding uh, the words that he had, you know, about these people's families, and I, it's I think just just do it, you yeah. know, just just go for it and see what happens, and if and if it's real, which I think it is more often than we give it credit for, if it's real, you'll see the fruit and you'll be more confident in it next time. I think. Mm -hmm. I was I was thinking the same thing. You can't lose with obedience to God. You can miss out on a lot not obeying God because maybe that word for someone they won't get or they'll get it from someone else, but who knows when. Sure. Maybe mm -hmm. later on down the road when they could have used it right then. Whether that's a word for someone that is kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to say this because it's hard to say, or sharing the gospel with someone if God really prompts you to share your life experience or to share about Jesus with someone. You can't lose with being obedient. You really can't. Is it okay to be scared? Oh, Sure. I think every time I've shared the gospel with someone, I've been nervous. Or every time I speak in front of people in a sermon or thing, I think I, I get nervous. I think I think if you're not, that 
Well, I shouldn't say that, but you're missing out on the edge if you're not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it kind of shows if you if you're just like, well, I got this. I mean, that's leads to arrogance and like, well, it's self dependence, and I got this, I can handle it. But it, kind of the nerves show, like, well, I got I got to depend on God because I don't got this. He does. And I think something that you just said, Dan, made me think of it in this way. You know, it's really easy to get caught up in our own. Oh, how's a person going to respond? What are they going to say to me? Mm-hmm. What if I'm wrong? All that jazz. But think of think of it in terms of like, you're a doctor. Uh, it's not a perfect analogy because in this case, God's a doctor and he's just sending you with the message. But like you're a doctor and you see someone and maybe they're not a patient of yours, but they're like clearly dealing with some kind of thing and they don't even know it. When you think of it in your own terms, it's like, yeah, I got to deliver this bad news. That person's probably not, they're not asking for it. It's probably not going to be super fun for me to have this conversation. But for that other person, wouldn't you rather receive the news that you have a life-threatening disease when there's still time to treat it than three years later. You bring up a good point because these things are going to be, if if God wants someone to know something, it's got to be urgent. It's got to be important. He's not going to just run, but well, you should order Subway tonight. Like it's going to be, it's going to be something of, of substance and of value. Like, like you're saying, I think the doctor analogy is a good one because that that has gravity and weight and importance, like our physical health. Well, so does our spiritual health. Some of these prophetic words are really good news. Uh Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think of what happened this past weekend, the graduation parades. All right. People were giving words of encouragement to these young people because they saw something in their lives that these young people can build their lives upon. But it, but it was good news. I can think of notes I wrote to different young people, and sometimes there'd be a scripture with it. But it, but it was because I saw something in their life that I wanted to point out to them that hopefully I'm not the only one that's ever pointed out to them, that I'm just one of several, and they keep thinking, boy, that's the third time I've heard that in the mm-hmm. last week. Maybe I better pay attention to right. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to wrap it's up. It's also comfort, too. Mm-hmm. First Corinthians 14, 4 says, no, 3, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Mm. That it can, it can be something that, hey, you're going through a hard time. Here's a word from God for you. He's with you. He's not leave, never going to leave you or forsake you. There's also that component, too, that's, that's cool that that comes through. Yes. Yes, you see it at funerals. I'd give just about anything to know what this pastor said to a lady who was literally wailing in this church. It must have been close to a 1,000 of us in there. Her daughter died tragically in a drowning. Her whole life was in front of her. She, she was one of these really phenomenal young women. And so the mother's sitting on the front row at the funeral, Christ Church of Lake Forest, and just wailing. I mean, wailing so that even people in the lobby could hear her. And I thought, what in the world is this service going to be like? And the pastor got up and walked across the room, knelt down next to her, Spoke to her for two minutes, and she just settled down. I don't. I'd love to know what did he say that impacted her so powerfully. But that's a case of a word of comfort. Yeah, you know. And I, I think it was way more powerful than just this is Pastor Mike with a word for you. <laughs> this, it had to be a word from God that really would help her that much. I'm reminded of the words of Bill. Oh, just wait into it. And the Lord will work. Mm. True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
And I think pray about it as well. Like if God's telling you to do something, when you pray about it, it's not like it's going to change his mind. He's like, oh, what? You had to ask me? <laughs> Never mind. I'll get someone else. Like, <laughs> am I off base by by saying like, you know, if you have a word or you receive a word and you pray about it, like it convicts you and you think it's from God, like it's okay to double check? Oh, I think we're always praying about it. Even if it's just under your breath and you've got three seconds to work mm-hmm. with. <laughs> you, you don't wade into some of this stuff. I, I, I sure don't want to wade into it without at least throwing up a bullet prayer. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, like, if this isn't from you, like, please stop me. Kind of yeah. yeah. Stop me. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me with a bus. Absolutely. <laughs> or have your shoes explode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's never happened before. <laughs> uh, let's get into a segment that we haven't had in a long time. Uh, I want to do plugs really quick. Um, it's been, what, two months since we really plugged new stuff that was happening mm-hmm. since back when you guys were first kicking off your your live streams, the daily live streams and everything. And we've obviously had plenty of classes and services and, and all kinds of things going on since then. So um, does anybody have any plugs that they want to share about updates of, of things that you're involved in or that you think are really cool in the coming week? I do. I invite you to come to Zoom Adult Education to this Sunday at 9.45. Greg Mahoney, who's a professional counselor, his daughter Heather, who's coming to the end of her nursing course, have put together a class on mental health using the book of Job. Mm-hmm. It'll run for nine weeks starting this week. I think it's going to just be terrific. So please Zoom in and join the class. Well, if there's anyone listening out there that has kids, uh, we're meeting, our families group is meeting Saturdays at uh, 10.45 in the morning on Zoom. Uh, we're starting a series with Andy Stanley called Guardrails uh, about, you know, the seeming, the seeming constraints on us um, uh, because of our faith that are, they're not actually constraints, they actually drive us to greater obedience in God. And it's, it's a great series, it really puts in layman's terms, you know, why it's important to have good quality friends that aren't going to lead you astray and how to work with money and just really good series, so I'm looking forward to it. And I invite anyone that wants information to contact me, Dan M at BloomingdaleChurch.org. We'd love to have you join us. I don't know if I have much that's new. Um, we're moving into you know, the next phase of this pandemic life with a drive-in church starting up in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I think, I, I hope that we've all gained a greater appreciation for what we have as the church um, during this time. Uh, being able to gather together, worship together, it's easy to take it for granted in, in the you know the normal hubbub of life. And I get it. We all do it. But uh, I think just as we, as we start to transition back towards normalcy, this is not a plug, it's more just an exhortation, I guess. I just encourage you to, to lean into it. You know, come to drive in church if you can. There's going to be very little risk. I know some people are, you know, not comfortable with that. That's totally fine. Don't do something you're not comfortable with. But come if you can. Sing in your car. It's going to be kind of weird. But here's here's the reality of it, at least for a while. Apparently, I don't, I don't know, this is just what I've heard, singing increases the chances of transmitting the disease, which kind of makes sense. And so when we get back together in the building, we might not be able to sing together. We might have to do some more. <laughs> it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Drive in church, <laughs> you can sing and be together. So sing. Even though it's going to be weird singing in your car, I encourage you to sing. I believe drive in church is starting in uh, two weeks from this weekend, the 20th and the 21st. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you guys again. 
It's not going to be any weirder than what Nancy and I are doing. We're singing right there at the computer with Church True. Online. <laughs> That's also weird. <laughs> I do that, That's too. That's adorable. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mine is also uh, somewhat of a plug uh, just because I've been um, – I live with a, a next-gen staffer, and so I get to hear all of their meetings. But uh, with every with what's going on in our, our country with um, protests and, and the conversation about, about – racial reconciliation coming back out again in, in a big way that, that needs to be talked about. I want to first say, this is more of a My Colleagues Rock, but like the next gen staff, Daniel, Daniel, Morgan, Mickey, Donna, like they have done an incredible job of, of really discussing, you know, how it impacts these, our youth, how it impacts our children, like really thoroughly. Um, and so if you are a youth or if you have a youth in your home, um, I want to encourage you to, to get connected with, with NextGen just because our society, our culture surrounding race, like really impacts kids and really impacts youth. Um, and that's something that we talked about in our, our staff meeting today. Um, and it's something that I'm hoping to talk about next week on the podcast. So that would also be my, my plug is something that was said in the staff meeting today is really trying not to be solutions oriented, uh, but trying to, to listen um, as best as we can. Um, and so I want next week's podcast to really be oriented around listening as best we can as well, um, asking questions and, and understanding each other. So that was also a, a plug for next week. Um, our closing segment this week, it's time for listener mail. Scott, please ring the listener mail bell. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and mail bells to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org if you send us a recording of you ringing the listener mail bell i will play it i mean if you mail me a bell that's also true (laughs) i'll use it uh just like beth did beth says a friend with whom i'm taking a bible course asked me this if you were stranded alone on an island and could only take three books besides the bible which books would you bring that's a thought-provoking question beth uh Let's say, uh, I want to say each of us can bring one book. The four of us are stranded on an island. we got to cover our bases. I'll jump out right ahead and I'll say, uh, I was going to bring this up during the discussion today. God's Smuggler, man, is a terrific book. And that is a book that is all about words of knowledge. Um, mm. It's about a man receiving so many words of knowledge from, from loving Christ followers in his life, um, but also really sharing them as well. Mm. Um, so that's my plug once again to, to read that book. I'll choose The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. It's 124 pages. I think I've read this book seven times because it's just so awesome. He really knew God, and he knew how to write. What a great combination. So I've learned more about God reading that little 124-page book than any other book outside the Bible. I bring my... Want my tome of Lord of the Rings books. It's all one volume. <laughs> not the Hobbit. That's not included. The Fellowship the of the Ring, the Two Towers, and the Return of the King are. So I'm taking that one. That is a good one. I think I've read it about 10 times wow. in the course of my life. Wow. Nice. I don't know if I have a good... Oh, I know what I'll bring. <laughs> it's kind of cheating, but I have it as one book. Uh, it's like the collected writings of C.S. Lewis. Hmm. Oh, um, so it's got like mere Christianity and, and the screw tape letters and um, miracles and a number of others in there too. 
I'm like, I don't, I don't know, because I was thinking about God smuggling, and you said it, of course. Of course. I would like, I would like the listeners to remember that I read it first. <laughs> I introduced it to Max, <laughs> and I perfected it. <laughs> you try, as made famous. It's like a Chris Tomlin situation. I am Chris Tomlin, and I'm the more talented person that exactly. wrote the song. God smuggler, as made famous by Max Terman, originally. <laughs> anyway, and then I was thinking about Lord of the Rings, and then Dan took Sorry. No, it's okay. And I was thinking about the one that Bill said too. No, and you then, weren't. I wasn't. I wasn't. I don't. Yeah, it's a it's a tough thing because mm-hmm. I like reading a lot, but I think I'd bring that because I I've, I've wanted to read more of those anyway. Sure, and I find them to be very thought provoking. And I bring my computer, which has my logos, Bible software, and all my oh, commentaries. Absolutely, <laughs> count as one book. Last week, oh, in a darn. bonus bit, uh, I asked you guys if it was uh, blasphemous to create a bracket comparing books of the Bible against each other and voting on which one is the most important. We didn't say it was blasphemous. <laughs> we didn't like the idea. Right. Well, same <laughs> thing. I think it might have been said that it was blasphemous. I, here's something that might not be blasphemous. If we created a bracket of the books of the Bible and then, then they judged all whose authors would win in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That'll be that. That could work. Uh, if you could only bring three books of the Bible onto this island, what are you going to bring? Well, I want Psalms. Me too. I was yeah. just thinking that. That's a good one. And I want John. That's okay. also one I was thinking. Sure, about. you got to have John. Now I've got a real hard decision. <laughs> Psalms, John, and Acts. Acts. Okay. Yeah. I love the book of Acts. It's great. I think Psalms, John, and Ephesians. Ooh. I love Ephesians. It's great. Ephesians loves you too. <laughs> I would not take Psalms. I would take. <gasps> I know. I'm sorry, Curtis. I can write my own songs. We want it because uh, it's the longest book. It's going to take a long time to read it, to memorize. I'm reading through the Psalms. I would bring. I would bring John. Um, I would bring Ecclesiastes. Oh, you would. If you're stuck on a desert island. You might as well have Ecclesiastes. <laughs> um, and uh, and I bring probably first or second Corinthians. I'll settle on I'll settle on second. I think second Corinthians has had a bigger impact on on me, especially lately. So especially chapter one. Especially chapter one, as it has on all of us. <laughs> I think I'm going to bring Proverbs as my third book. Whoa, oh, okay, right. that's a wow. good one too. A lot of uh, poetry literature for you. Yeah. <laughs> Any reason why? <laughs> Proverbs impressed me so much because of Donna Agar. Donna Agar was the Awana commander mm. here for about 15 years, and she could read people like... Oh, she was fantastic. I could read the newspaper. It was just amazing. And so one day I said to her, Donna, how is it you can read people so well? And she became real flustered. It was maybe the only time I've ever seen her flustered. And, and finally she just blurted out, well, I read a chapter out of Proverbs every day. I huh. thought... That's a good idea. So today's June 3rd, she would read Proverbs 3. I thought, okay, I'm way behind. I'm going to memorize this book. It took about two and a half years. So You memorized the book of Proverbs? Yeah. That's amazing. So why are you going to bring it with you? It was worth it. Why do you need it? (laughs) The funny thing is, it's not the kind of book where you can just say Proverbs 1 1. You just start spilling it out like you would another book. It's more topical. So I learned some verses about use of money. But even though I memorized it all, if you said, okay, can you do it now? They just have a way of leaking out of my brain. So I. I better bring it along. Wow! <laughs> but Bill's gonna Bill's gonna spend most of his time on the island memorizing Psalms. That'll be a That's lifelong right. endeavor. Well, I'll be busy with Psalms. Be the rescue busy. ship will come. And... 
There's five more to go. <laughs> come, back, come back next week. <laughs> uh, that's all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thanks Thank you, Max. Dan, en español, por favor. Oh. Take us home. <laughs> Has estado escuchando al podcast de Bloomingdale Church. Mm. Estamos en Bloomingdale, Illinois. El corazón de la nación. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, are you ready to, to go? <laughs> I love this. I don't think the listeners are going to find it as interesting, so I won't do it, but it's really funny to what, me. What is it? Like, oh, combining them together. Yeah. Would you rather spend the night in a dark cemetery or have your best friend be invisible? <laughs> <laughs> I like the randomness of it. I used to have a best friend that was invisible. It's my imaginary friend, Stevie. <laughs> I was a little kid living all by myself in the middle of nowhere, and Aww. you got to make up your friends. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> Hola a todos, bienvenidos al podcast de Bloomingdale Church. Hola. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> Con nosotros, el pastor Bill Calvin. El campeón de las preguntas de Pentecostés. El director de alabanza de la iglesia, Scott Reed. My name sounded... Spanish. Bill just was Bill. I, got I could have been Guillermo. <laughs> True. Perdón. El pastor de las familias jóvenes, Daniel Marcello. Hey! Yes. Y nuestro director del podcast, Max Terman. Hello. Yes. Hello. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Got to redo it. Oh, no. That was amazing. <laughs>